0: Nation. You're invited to take your seat. Take a seat. At the Warriors round table. It's a three. In and out. Rebound. Peyton out to Curry. Let's it fly. Three ball. left corner pocket. Welcome to the table. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. 95-7 the game. Curry fires away. Three ball. Above the bridge. Here's Kevin Danner. Right and Gary St. G.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We welcome you to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. If you want to talk some Warriors shooty hoop, hit us up, 888-957-9570. Again, that number, 888-957-9570. Reminding you that the Warriors' 2023-24 season is presented by Kaiser Permanente. Kevin Dan alongside Gary St. Jean, and Gary, I was a frustrated guy last night. I had a... Santa Cruz broadcast in the afternoon, so it conflicted with the Warriors-Memphis-Grizzlies game. Santa Cruz won ninety-eight, ninety-two, and 5 on the regular season, a nice game. A very defensive-minded game, especially for the G League. Very rare that you see two teams under 100 points. But I go zero dark 30 during Santa Cruz games because I don't want to know the score of the Golden State game when I come back and watch it later tonight. I, I have more fun watching a game that I don't know the final score of. So I come home. I'm having problems with Xfinity. I DVR'd it. So I have a backup place, a website that I go to to get games. But the problem with this website is you have to download the game in quarters. And so the file said that there was an overtime. And I was like, oh, great. So the first 48 minutes are going to be not as fun for me. This is unfortunate. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to have to you know, just kind of grind through the first four quarters of this game, and there would be an overtime. I open up the first quarter file. And it's in Spanish, and, and I speak Spanish. I, I majored in Spanish in college, but I am not fluent to the point where I can, like, passively listen to the broadcast and watch the game intently at the same time. Like, I am not that good at Spanish. So if I'm listening intently to the broadcast, I'm, like, kind of missing what's happening on the court. And I'm trying to pick up some nuggets from the broadcast. I think at one point the broadcasters confused Jaron Jackson Jr. with Gigi Jackson. That's another story. We'll get to Gigi in a little bit. But so there were a couple possessions that maybe I missed because I was like too in tune to the conversation. We get to the fourth quarter file. And I realized that the fourth quarter file, it, it freezes after Luke Kennard's three makes it 106 to 96. And I, and at, after he hits that three, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm impressed that the Warriors made it to overtime in this game, considering how this fourth quarter is playing out. Then I realized that the, the rest of the fourth quarter file freezes. And that the extra OT file, the file that's labeled as OT, is really just the rest of the fourth quarter. So... They didn't go to overtime, and they lost by nine to a team that was uh, didn't have a lot of guys, and it just made for a frustrating evening for yours truly, Gary. <laughs> what a story,
2: <laughs> KeV. I got to tell you, during the course of eighty-two games, there's certain games that you just throw throw down the chute, just get rid of them, and to me, that was one of them. Uh, I had a similar story. I went to see the De La Salle Spartans. Okay. Uh took my grandson, William, to his first game with my daughter, Emily. Nice. And that was at 3.30. So I got home, and there's like 10 minutes left in the game. And I'm saying, gosh, you know, they're going to win this. This is going to be a heck of a trip. They got all kinds of guys out. You played really well against Chicago and up in Milwaukee, and momentum is with you. And I get my clicker, and I get on there, and I go, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> And now I'm listening to the to the number of three point attempts and the number of free throw attempts, and I, and the turnovers, and I'm going, oh boy, I've read this book before, and this is not a good ending.
1: Yeah, it was not a good ending. It was a one sixteen to one oh seven loss. And Gary, if I didn't tell you anything about the final score, and just told you that Memphis was yeah. not playing John Morant, Steven Adams, Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. went like 4 of 20 from the field, what would you expect the final score to be? Well, you're going to be the
2: uh, the man tonight, because you're going to tell us all about these G League guys that played just terrific for Memphis. I, I got to admit, I, I didn't know who these guys were. One guy's named Gigi, and his name is... Gregor, I don't know what his name, but I, on and on they went. And I will tell you this, they won the hustle game. That was very, very evident to me. Uh, the ball was being thrown all over the place, but I loved the intensity they played with. They shared the ball, and Warriors just looked flat. They, you know, th- this game is about being connected. And uh, on both ends of the floor, but even more so on the defensive end, if you want to win an NBA road game, and to give up the, that number of uh, three-point attempts, that means you don't trust the guy behind you. Because, you, you you know, yeah. fool me a couple times. Make a couple. But then, all of a sudden, you start a bombardment. you got to move your defense out there. But then you got to say to yourself, okay, I'm going to take away the three, but I trust the guy behind me that when the guy pump fakes and drives by me that I've got help behind me. I just didn't feel that. Uh, As to what was going on And I I did watch the the other three quarters uh, This morning And uh, it kind of ruffled My English muffins (laughs)
1: <laughs> it, it ruffled my english muffins as well. And I I, I we're going to talk more about the defense because it it has not been very good at all for Golden State. But I do want to talk about some of the guys on Memphis who killed the Warriors last yeah. night. Let's start with Gregory Jackson, GG G. Jackson the second. This is a guy who coming out of high school or going into I guess what would have been his Originally, his junior year of high school, he reclassified. He was going to be the class. He was going to be a top recruit in the class of twenty twenty three, a high wow. school class of twenty twenty three. But then he reclassified to twenty twenty two. So he's a younger guy than normal for his age or for his age group, if you will. And he ran into. He played at South Carolina. There were questions about his maturity, but it wasn't about him being like a good or bad guy or anything. It was about like when the going gets tough on the court because the going got very tough for South Carolina last year they were a very bad team And, and so this isn't the 2017 Frank Martin team that went to the final four with PJ Dozier and the like this was a team that really struggled last year and that intel was not great but when you watch him live and I've watched him live I saw him at the G League showcase there are things that really stick out about him he plays very hard he really cares about winning I saw this guy stand up on his bench, basically for a, the entire time he was subbed out of the game, cheering teammates on. Mm. And this is, it. and you'll you'll see guys do that at the G League showcase because they're trying to get a call up. Well, Gigi Jackson's not trying to get a call up. He's on a two way contract. He has an NBA roster spot. So this was purely love of the game kind of stuff for him. And yes, he might have some of the worst shot selection in the G League behind an Amani Bates who does hit like 44% for three, so I'm not sure I can call it bad shot selection. A, a, he is not a guy who I would call a ball mover, but he plays hard and he can fill it up. And he scored 20 against the Knicks the game before, and he had 23 against Golden State in his eighth career NBA game. And, and saying, I want to ask you this. Since you've been in a front office, how much can a rep hurt a guy when dealing with trying to stick in the league or, or draft stats? Because this guy was considered a lottery talent, but went in the middle of the second round? Well, you do your homework and your scouts,
2: uh, some of your front office personnel, you, you kind of do a little historical background. Now, it, it may go pretty deep when you've got a guy that's uh, you know, considered to be a heck of a pick. And what am I talking about? Obviously, you call his coaches, but then you call other coaches in the conference. And then maybe you call somebody within the athletic department. And if you're getting really deep, you may find some more people at the school. And you may, I've heard guys all call all the way back to high school. And uh, you, you don't want to make sure you, you don't miss. So character is a huge, huge factor in a, in a guy's success. I, there, there can be a guy that, two guys are even in talent, but one guy's just got a huge heart and he competes. And he plays the right way. He understands team play. Then you got another guy who's launching him who's got a lot of talent, but you're saying, I don't know. That's uh, a risk. I don't know if this guy can make it. And uh, So with that said, th- there's a lot to be done. Now, Kev, I don't know if you saw it. That guy earned my respect. You want to know why? What? Did you see his interview with Ernie Johnson after the game? <laughs> yes, I saw some of it, yes. Let me tell you, when he had the headset on, and he started talking to Shaq. I thought he was talking to Santa Claus. He was so <laughs> excited. He, yes, was he was fired up. And then, you know, Charles was saying, well, how would you know who that was? Because all he was doing was mumbling. You couldn't even hear his name. You know, busting yeah. uh, Shaq's chops. And then Charles gets on there, and he's asking him stuff. And this young guy is euphoric. He, he He's like, this is the coolest thing that's happened to me. So right then and there... I'm pulling for the guy because I I loved it. So you get these stories of these guys coming up. I've told you the story about guys like Mario Ellie and Vincent Askew. We brought them up years ago in like 1990. They went on to have 10-year careers, and, you know, uh, Mario had three championships. So you just need an opportunity, and can you capitalize on it? And are you playing with good guys? I'm going to give – lot of credit to to coach jenkins with memphis his team plays together and they play yeah. hard and they have purpose and uh, i watched all those guys who were injured i like watching guys big time guys that aren't playing every one of those guys whether it was bain or morant they were all standing up and take jackson he's four for 20 but he doesn't quit he keeps on yeah. playing and i want to say late game he had a huge block on somebody yeah. Um, you know, so I, I I like the way they play. Their, their season's, you know, just scrambled eggs. There are so many injuries. But credit to them, they, they played a heck of a game, and you're going to expound on these
1: other guys. Uh, I think there's one other one that was a G League guy. Yeah, there, there's a couple other, Vince Williams Jr. and Jacob Gilliard. Yeah. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. We do got to take a break coming up, and we got a Tim Roy interview to get with to get to with the Golden State Warriors president and COO Brandon Schneider. That'll be coming up after the break. But first, Dub Nation, we want to let you know to finish out the regular season strong with buzzer, beater, mini plans. Packages include marquee matchups against the Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, and more. Call 888-GSW-HOOP or visit warriors.com to learn more. So we're going to take a break. Now come back with that Tim Roy interview with Brandon Schneider on the other side of this timeout right here on ninety five seven the game.
0: Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean are holding court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. At the Warriors Roundtable. You can't handle the truth. Curry. Scream by Draymond Curry gets free for three. You got it on ninety five seven the game. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean.
1: Experience Enrique Iglesias, Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide, and Ricky Martin together live at Chase Center Wednesday, January 31st. Don't miss their 2024 Trilogy Tour. Tickets on sale now at ChaseCenter.com. I actually have a friend going to that show. We welcome you back here. The Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Kevin Nail alongside Gary St. Jean. Right now we're going to play an interview that Tim Roy conducted with Brandon Schneider, Golden State Warriors President and Chief Operating Officer. They talk about 500 straight sellouts for the Golden State Warriors among other topics. So without further ado, here's a Tim Roy interview with Brandon Schneider.
3: Brandon, you know, when I first got to the Warriors back in 1995, there was an impressive, you know, showing of, of Warrior fans at that time going, you know, over to Oracle in Oakland and showing up, even though the teams weren't that good. You could just tell that passion was always there, and I think we're going to see against the Dallas on Friday the, uh, I guess, the embodiment of that passion—the 500th consecutive sellout uh, for the Warriors. It'll be at Chase Center when the Warriors take on the Mavericks. And just what a night that is! It's, it's. There's only two other streaks that have been going longer in the NBA, and it's just indicative of, of uh, how fortunate we are to work for, uh, you know, a franchise and a fan base that has this kind of passion for the Warriors and the NBA.
4: I, Tim, I think that's really well said. Um, I've been, I've been with the Warriors as long as you. You're one of, I think, like eight people that that have been doing this longer than me that still work for the Warriors. Um, but I, I, this is my 22nd season. And like you said, I mean, we've got this incredible group of fans, this incredible fan base, by the way, globally, um, but specifically those that, that come to games. And, you know, they, they support this team through thick and thin. I mean, the, you know, the loyalty. I mean, my early years uh, with the Warriors, we had an 18-year span where we only made the playoffs once. Um, you know, and fans <laughs> supporting the team and going to the games, um, you know, and, and obviously over the last several years, we've been fortunate, you know, six finals appearances, four championships in the last nine years. So we've uh, under Joe Lacob and Peter Gruber's uh, stewardship ha- have really turned around on the court. But the constant through this whole time, as, as you started out by saying uh, has been Dub Nation. Um, incredible support. So I agree. Friday night, I mean, I, I really view Friday night as a, a, a. We should be celebrating Dub Nation every night, but 500 sellout is a, is a great reason, milestone to celebrate the great fan support.
3: Yeah, and, and there's going to be a, a video uh, tribute and, and thankful from uh, Steph Curry. Uh, I think that one of the things that. that- You know, we have recognized over this streak is that you know the constant, you know, for the Warriors has been that core. You know, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, uh, Clay Thompson, and they have helped along with you, along with Joe Lacob and Peter Guber, and have brought this franchise, as you mentioned, to a global phenomenon. And and it's it's an amazing run. It's a run I don't know if you or I could have imagined it in our first year or so working with with the Warriors. We would get to this point. I mean, it's just really an incredible run and again. It just kind of shows by you know this game number five hundred.
4: Yeah, I mean, like you said, we've got uh, with Udonis Haslam retiring after last season, we've got the three longest tenured players in the league on on one franchise. So uh, most years playing for one team, Steph being number one, Clay number two, Draymond number three in the whole league. Uh, I believe Draymond's tied with Damian Lillard for, for third. And and actually, sorry, I'm saying that uh, before Lillard uh, got traded this summer, he was tied with, with Draymond, I believe. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I tell Joe um, often, like, in those early years, we, we were just trying to get in the playoffs. And and during this run that we've had, we have a better chance of winning the championship than we used to have of making the playoffs. I mean, which is – Right, right. Which is, which exactly. Is a, it's a wild thing to say right i mean one team wins the championship 16 teams go to the playoffs but in those early years we we you know we had the one we believe year in in 2007 where we got into the playoffs but that was the the one time in 18 years and now uh, thanks to a lot of things, but, but most notably, I would say Steph, Clay, Draymond, and, and the guys, the team, uh, we've had this unprecedented run of success. And, you know, part of it, like, you just feel like Dub Nation getting rewarded, um, you know, for the, for the years of, of loyalty, um, you know, again, through the thick and thin to now get to witness this historic era um, that's still going, right? I and mean, we're, we're obviously off to a slower start this year, but I think everyone realizes we've got the pieces in place to, to hopefully make another run. No question. I think it's a matter of, of
3: kind of getting everybody on the same page at the same time, I think, and, and getting them healthy on the floor, too, is also a big part of that. Now, you grew up a Warrior fan. You know, At what point when you started working for the Warriors did you truly understand the loyalty and the fervor of Dub Nation?
4: Well, because I grew up in the Bay, you know, going to Warriors games, you've kind of always felt it. But it's different, you know, when you're a fan because you're you're looking at it differently, right? I'm going to games just like anybody else, um, you know, just taking it in. And, and once you get into the walls and, and you see you know, everything we're trying to do and the team and, and trying to get it right and trying to win and trying to create the, the type of experience that we want to create for fans, you know, at Chase Center and, and again, throughout the world, um, you start to see just that that passion because you know then you're so you know getting so close to it, and and in those early days like you know you're getting blown out at home and you know some of these games, and, and you know I started out in ticket sales. I mean that was my, my first job with the Warriors, and so you know I was the one on the phones with fans, talking to them about season tickets and partial season plans, and you're just hearing like how much people care. You know, how important this team has been um, to the Bay Area. We always talked about, you know, in the early days, there was, you know, two football teams, two baseball teams and one basketball team. That's obviously changed over the years. But um, just having that that support from all over the Bay Area. uh, And again, like just behind the team, I mean, enjoying the times of success, uh, but also being behind the team, even when we struggled. And, And by the way, Tim, you know this as well as anyone. I mean, in those those early years when we weren't great, we still played well at home. Uh, and and you, have to, yeah. you have to attribute that to the support from the fans, right? We, we would struggle a ton on the road, but be uh, uh, over 500 at home, even in the years where we weren't a good team.
3: Employees will have a 500 sellout pin to wear during the, the game on Friday, and, and of course, we know Dallas is a good team, so it's going to be a good game. A uh, Friday at Chase, and, and uh, but it's all part of what Chase is doing right now. Madonna's coming, Springsteen's coming, Bad Bunny's coming. Uh, there's a lot of things that go on at, at Chase Center, and again, that's all part of this growth by the Warriors and and Dub Nation. The next time you come on the Warriors podcast later this year, we'll talk about uh, NBA issues, and then we'll talk about Thrive City as well.
4: Uh, That sounds like a deal, Tim.
1: All right, great conversation there between Tim Roy and and Brandon Schneider, and I'm looking at the longest all-time NBA sellout streaks right now, Gary, and uh, his third longest active streak behind Dallas and Miami. Uh, They surpassed Sacramento earlier this year to have the third, fourth, sixth longest all-time sellout streak. And their first uh, game one of this 500 straight sellouts, which will be Friday uh, against Dallas, was December 18th 2012. How long ago was that, Gary? It was so long that the Santa Cruz Warriors hadn't even played their first ever home game yet. <laughs> so that's how long this spans. Uh, t- the 2012-13 season was my first season working in the organization with the Santa Cruz Warriors and uh, man, just uh, I- incredible stuff done by the front office to, to get 500 straight sellouts and the ticket staff, the uh, ticket sales, and everyone involved.
2: Well, you know, it makes me feel old because uh, I can remember when he started in the ticket office, Brandon, a great guy, and I, I always loved his energy, his smile. Uh, he, he had a real thirst to, to get better, and uh, I think he's done a terrific job as, uh, as CEO. And uh, kudos to him, and of course, the ownership. And, you know, they've, they've got a big team working, and they just don't take for granted. Because they've had great, great teams that they're just going to sell out they they're out there marketing and, and talking to groups and uh, do a terrific job with that. and you know it, it's not surprising to me, and I you know you mentioned the Kings, they have great fans. I was up there for five years. <clears throat> Some of these teams uh, they play around with that stuff. you know, they say it's a sellout, and I don't think it is. Uh, Now, I'm not going to point fingers at the other two that you mentioned, but uh, (laughs) I've been to to those places, and uh, we could have had a couple busloads come to the game.
1: Yeah, well, speaking of Miami, it certainly wasn't a full house after uh, in game six of the 2013 NBA Finals after the Spurs (laughs) went up five in the final 20 seconds. We'll say say that. Spot on. No doubt about (laughs) it. Let's uh, let's get back to the Memphis game a little bit because I do want to talk about some of those other guys that really hurt the Warriors on Monday night. And let's talk a little Vince Williams Jr. This is a guy who I actually had a G League scout text me uh, a few months ago. He's like, what are your thoughts on Vince Williams? I'm like, I can kind of see it, but I wasn't, I'm was i not a big fan. And, and the reason right. I wasn't a big fan of him was because he was kind of, he's in the mold of a 3 and D kind of guy, like a long athletic wing. He's 6'6 with a 7 foot wingspan. But a key part of that of the three and D is the three. And when Santa Cruz was playing him, he was at like 24% from downtown. Couldn't hit the backside of the barn. He was 30% from three, but he was earlier, earlier in the season. He was in the low to mid twenties from three. And like, all right, I, I, I just didn't quite see it. If, if you're not hitting threes and he wasn't exactly known as a great athlete, as I'm looking at my scouting report that uh, I collected on him, thanks to uh, Sam Vicini of The Athletic. Like, uh, w- what is your purpose? And you know, like, he played a handful of games for the Grizzlies last year, and he detonated on Golden State yesterday. I mean, 24 points, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals. So hats off to him. And then Jacob Gilliard. Now this is a guy if you are a sicko Golden State Warrior fan, where you just eat, breathe, sleep Golden State Warriors 24-7 365, You might remember that he was on the 2022 Golden State Warriors Summer League roster. Uh, And this is a guy, you look at him, he's 5'9", 160. He doesn't scream NBA player. But he's the NCAA all-time leader in steals. He had, like, more than 450 for his career. He worried about his size, but he could shoot. Obviously, he could play defense. And, and, you know, he had a good year in the G League last year. The Grizzlies rewarded him. He's on a two-way contract. And he's been playing a lot of minutes. He was playing a lot of minutes earlier in the year when John Morant was suspended. He was, like, in their rotation, and he has continued. Obviously, he was in the rotation last night. He three of four from three, hit a big three, 11 points, three assists. He was a plus 11 off the bench. And look, I, I think this is another example, Gary, of there might, you know, just because you don't know who a guy is necessarily, I'm saying the royal you, uh, not, not talking about you individually, but just because someone doesn't know who a guy is, he's not known the national consciousness, doesn't mean he can't play because uh, if you are in the NBA, you're the top 0.00001% of basketball players in the world.
2: Kev, is he the guy, that, that uh, the Williams, that they just gave a four-year contract to?
1: Uh, yeah, it, it would have to be him.
2: Yeah, that, that was impressive. And as you said, uh, great example. You know, I, and in Miami, we were kidding about them, but I they're like the top to me, taking undrafted guys and finding uh, out about these guys, bringing them in, and they look at the guy and say, hey, we see something in you. Now, are you willing to work? Because we're willing to be there. Are you willing to put in the time? and uh you know they they get some guys that become nba rotation players and so to your point when you're down there you may say geez you know poor me i'm down there in the g league and it's not so good and all this kind of thing you know what you got to believe in yourself you got to put in the work charles barkley was talking about it last night it's not easy you know you can lose the glimmer in your eye but uh if you really work at it, you don't know. It may not be with that particular team you're with. But another team has an injury or they look at their roster in the summer and they say, geez, I kind of like that guy. They bring him in for summer league and the guy blossoms. And so it's, in, it's an inexact science uh, as to how guys make it. But uh, a lot of it is the, the work ethic. And obviously there's a talent level you have to have. But it's that belief in yourself and then the work ethic.
1: Yeah, so to follow up on the Vince Williams Jr. contract, this is from Yahoo Sports: three-year, seven-point-nine million dollar deal includes the option for the fourth year that you were mentioning, Gary. It's the most money guaranteed ever given to a player who is on a two-way contract. Good for so, him. yeah, no, good for him, and he certainly proved me wrong. Uh, he he was—he did not have a great year in the G League last year, but he was certainly great last night against Golden State. Good to see him get that money. So, we've given our props to the Memphis guys. Let's get back to what ailed Golden State, because uh, Steve Kerr has talked all year about two big issues. You've touched on them already, Gary. Turnovers and fouls. 19 turnovers last night, leading to 30 Memphis points. The Grizzlies plus 17 in points off turnovers. I was reading the Anthony Slater article on the game for The Athletic, and he characterized 13 of the 19 as careless turnovers. And gets a team like that, you just can't have 13 careless turnovers. I mean, that's the game right there. Well, you and
2: I tried to explain the live ball turnover. Where yeah. uh, I'm passing to you guard to guard and our defender, your defender just steps in there and, and steals it and he goes, you know, 75 feet and he gets a layup uncontested. Versus the ball that gets knocked out of bounds where you can recover on defense. And there were a lot of live ball turnovers. And that's just going to get you in big, big trouble. And what it does is it creates momentum for the other team. They're, they're feeling good about themselves. Those those are big points. And then they get back and they're set on defense and they're digging in there. And, you know, it kind of just grows it mushrooms on you. And uh, it's been a thorn in the side all, all year long. And uh, I, I think it was the was the Chicago game. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the turnovers were really low. Yeah, and it was. And uh, you know, I that game there, boy, Kev. I enjoyed watching that game. You know, you look at yeah. Chicago and they've been really good the last ten games or so. And uh, my gosh, they started out on fire. And I'm saying, oh brother, they, you know, they 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 just caught the a <laughs> hot team. But yeah. boy, they just kept digging and digging, and they came back, and you know, great job. And I, I liked the way they played up in Milwaukee without Steph. They had a chance to win yeah. a back-to-back. My gosh, I've I've driven that one from Chicago to Milwaukee a lot, a lot of times, and in a blizzard, yeah. it's not a lot of fun. No. And uh, hey, we're not we're not short cheesecake in this thing. Hey, they they got to take care of the ball For, later on. We're going to talk about Utah. Yeah, I asked my son yesterday. I said, "Greg, how the heck is Utah doing this? Because they're the hottest team in the West right now." Yep, and uh, you know we'll talk about their personnel in a little bit while. But I looked, and they're taking care of the, taking care of the ball, and that that's a big stat. There's a correlation there. If you take care of the ball, you have got a good shot to win.
1: Yeah, no, you really do. I mean, the the stat from the Chicago game: thirty nine assists and five turnovers. Yeah, that was it. Good job. Just
3: incredible
1: stuff for Golden State in that game. I I was listening to uh, the Hoop Collective podcast, Brian Windhorst, Tim McMahon, a.k.a. Ban McMahon, as they call him, and and Tim Bonteps, and and one of the guys – yeah, no, great. They're great, and very informative podcasts, and they really know their stuff. One of the guys w- was saying that second half of that Chicago game was kind of karma for the fans booing Jerry Krause. And I, I, I wow. imagine you have some Jerry Krause stories. I mean, this guy was an architect of – one of the best dynasties in pro sports history, six titles in eight years. That doesn't happen. And I know everyone watched the last dance during COVID and it didn't paint Jerry Krause in the greatest of lights, but you got to respect what he did to put that team together. Well,
2: I'll tell you what, that that's the first thing. And, you know, what took place, them. I, I you know, I, I listened to a lot of people. Stacy King was one of them and, you know, on and on, just saying, what are you doing? And, you know, his wife was an elderly lady, probably, a, you know, a huge night for her that she was able to represent him there with all those great guys. And, you know, I just thought it was great that the Bulls did it when the Warriors came to town so Steve could be there. That yeah. shows you the affection that they had for him. Uh, and I love the clip when they showed him about uh, talking about Jordan, you know, and don't worry, just give me the ball and, you know, and then he was telling him, hey, I'll take care of things. And, but anyway, I, I looked at her, and I felt so bad. But I, I got to tell you, the guy worked. The, you know, back then, GMs went out a lot scouting, and that's what he started out doing for uh, Jerry Colangelo. He was also involved with, with baseball. He, was a, he worked for Reinsdorf, and uh, he just had a good eye for talent. And he was like, you know, he has glasses down, way down by his nose, you know, and he's looking, and he'd sit by himself and all that kind of thing. And he was like a little bit like Inspector Clouseau, and his (laughs) nicknames—his nickname was Crumbs, because he had a pretty good belly, and when he ate, he had a collection of uh, cupcake, you know, and everything, his (laughs) fault chips and everything that fell all over him. So his nickname was Crumbs, and. You know, Michael Jordan there's a lot of stories about him giving him a hard time on the bus and that kind of thing. But you got to you got to just tip your hat because he came and and uh let's see. I want to say Collins was coaching and and he brought in Phil Jackson as an assistant. And then he went on to to get the job and you know the, the story goes from there. I mean, Phil what a fantastic job. And Johnny Bach, who had been an assistant with the Warriors, um, former Marine and coach at Fordham, he was on the staff, and he was the defensive guy And Tech's winter, famous for inventing the triangle, former coach at Kansas State.
4: Yep.
2: And uh, they built something that was unbelievable. And you'd go in there, and, Kev, you're a better singer than me, but they'd start playing that song. And uh, it was special going in there. And they had an organist, a, a woman, and she also played the White Sox games. And some nights I'd get, we'd get there really early, and she's playing the organ. And pretty soon you're sitting there, you're saying, "Man, what a nice thing!" You know, playing the organ. And the craziest thing that happened is we used to get a police escort on the bus. We'd stay at the Westin downtown, and uh, I looked at the assistants. And I said, "You know, these guys in the police cars with the lights going, they're laughing." Because we're the Washington Generals going in there as the sacrificial <laughs> lamb so they can kick our butts. And uh I, I just and Jerry was at the forefront of all this. He he you know, there were a lot of kidding about him, but my gosh, he brought in good guys and you know, I uh, one of the guys I had, Randy Brown, was with us with the Kings. He loved them. He loved them. And uh, you know, a lot of guys, you know, thanked him for giving them an opportunity to uh to play with a great franchise.
1: I want to give you a little credit, though. You you talk about being the Washington Generals. I remember the 97-98 season. This is the last year, the last dance. You guys played two very close games against the Chicago Bulls that year. I think you lost one by four, maybe lost one by seven. But you guys were right there in both games. Well, um, you know, Mitch Richmond –
2: Michael used to say he was the best two-guard in the league that he played against. And, uh, you know, we didn't have the greatest team, but, boy, Mitch got fired up to play against Michael. And and I'll tell you what, you're just got to put the camera on the two of them because Michael's <laughs> pride was unbelievable. And uh, it, it was really just something you never forget, watching them compete. Just great, great players and... um You know, I just had a lot of respect for him. Now, I will go back and tell you that when I was with Nelly with the Bucks, we beat them 18 straight times. 18 straight times. Yeah, they had uh, Quentin Daly from USF, who was famous for eating a hot dog and and popcorn on the bench. They had Orlando Woolridge, Corzine. uh, Maybe Reggie Theus was there then, and we just had their number. We, We owned them. And uh, they just weren't very good. And there was a lady; her name was Zelda. And back then, the coaches ate in the media room. And I got to tell you, Kev, she would make a pie when Nellie was coming. Yeah. And and she might have made the, one of the best apple pies I've ever had in my okay. life. Okay. And then we went on to kill him.
1: <laughs> i, I got to ask you, we, we got like a minute before another break, but what is more detrimental to your in-game health? Eating popcorn and hot dog on the bench or smoking a <laughs> cigarette at halftime like Vlade Divac used to do? Hey, I could tell you about a lot of players doing that. That's, <laughs>
2: that's when I first started. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that just doesn't look good, eating a hot dog on the bench. I, I, I looked at that. I want to say... Kevin Lockery was coaching then, maybe, and uh, he was a fiery Irish guy. (laughs) When he found out about that, I remember him telling Nelly, oh, boy, there were a few expletives in there. It was fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know we got a little sidetracked. I do love listening to your stories about the NBA of a previous generation, Gary. We are coming up on a break. Do want to get into Draymond Green's return when we come back and, of course, taking a look at the Utah Jazz. But first, fans, you need to dub the vote presented by Google Cloud. It gives you the power to send your favorite Warriors to of this year's All-Star game, visit Warriors.com slash dub the vote to vote now. We'll take a break, discuss Draymond's return to the lineup and the Utah Jazz when we come back to finish up Warriors Roundtable right here on 95-7
0: the game. Each and every member of Dub Nation has a seat.
3: Everybody would please take your seats.
0: The Warriors Roundtable has returned on ninety-five-seven. The game. knocked it down straight on for about twenty-eight feet. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean.
4: All right,
1: folks, let's take a look at our upcoming broadcast presented by Ticketmaster. Up next, the final game of a four-game roadie for Golden State. They are in Utah to take on the surging Jazz. 5.30 airtime, 6 p.m. tip with Tim Roy on the call and 95.7 the game. Then they come home for four in a row, starting with the Dallas Mavericks. Again, that is the 500th straight sellout at Chase Center. Presented by NBC Sports 6.30 airtime, 7 p.m. tip with Tim Roy and Tom Tolbert on the call. Then they get four days off. They don't play again until January 24th against the Atlians, the Atlanta Hawks. 6.30 airtime, 7 p.m. tip. That will be Educators Night presented by Kaiser Permanente. The homestand continues with a back-to-back against the Sacramento Kings will be the back end of that B2B. 6.30 airtime, 7 p.m. tip tip, that is Hello Kitty Night. I got Bacon right next to me, my 8-year-old cat. I'm sure he'll uh, appreciate that game. And then uh, the road, the homestand uh, concludes against the LA Lakers, J- January 27, 5.30 p.m. Uh, start, 5 p.m. airtime presented by Google Cloud. So that's a look at what's coming up, and we'll get into Utah in a little bit, but I do want to mention the return of Draymond Green. 7.7 rebounds, 4 assists, a plus 1 in 24 minutes. I thought, I thought he looked pretty good. And I, I also do want to mention the Marcus Thompson article on his return on the Athletic. Uh, Marcus, as always, do it a great job. And uh, he... he- Paints the picture of Steve Kerr going to Draymond's house in Southern California and, and sending the saying this to Draymond. I want you to end this the right way. I want us to end this the right way. And uh, Thompson writing that Steve Kerr knew that would hit home with Draymond Green, and it did. And whether they win another title or not, look, four titles is a great, great run. Whether they add another one or not, four is fantastic. You really want to land the plane on the runway with this group, and and you'd hate to see Draymond tarnish his legacy because it has been a Hall of Fame career. Unfortunately, the last couple of months uh, he has you know not done his reputation any favors.
2: Well, Kev, you know first in Steve uh, praising Steve, you know he had a heart to heart discussion with um, with Clay uh you know about playing with joy and and just looking back at your career and i think he's played a lot better since then averaging about 17 a game and three point percentages up and it's going to take time for draymond to get going here and i didn't know about those four days off and you know that's really going to help him just having him around his his uh, competitiveness and his knowledge on defense and his communication on defense that's going to help the team and uh so I, I hope for everybody that uh, he gets back to playing some real solid basketball and, and help the Warriors win. And, you know, Kev, this, this is a topic that uh, has been in the forefront. I've been long-winded tonight, and I've done a lot of these shows. And the reason I did it is I didn't want to talk about the bad play in Memphis. So me going on about the past about the NBA, that was my way of getting the heck away from that game.
1: <laughs> well, you did a good job, Gary. But, uh, yeah, no, Draymond, it is great to have him back in the fold. And, look, you you mentioned those four days off in between just to to get him around the team a little bit more. Look, it's probably going to take him a handful of games to to really get going. I mean, if you can – when he's been on the court this year, Draymond Green has still been a very good player. So, look, there is still – Plenty in the tank for Draymond Green. So we mentioned the road trip continues against the Utah Jazz, and uh, this is a team. And you, you touch on it a little bit, Gary, with uh you know your your conversation with Greg about the Utah Jazz. They started ten and eighteen. They looked yeah. completely dead in the water. They're twelve and two since they're two games above five hundred. Wow. They beat Indiana, which obviously which albeit didn't have Tyrese Halliburton, beat them by twenty seven points. That was after they beat the Lakers on Saturday, which was on the back end of throttling the Raptors in a back-to-back by 32 on Friday. They've won six straight. They're only lost this year, I mean, in 2024, calendar year, is at Boston, who has been incredible at home this season. So this is about the last team I'd want to play right now.
2: Yeah, you know, I I don't have a pulse on this, but I don't even know who this Fontanecchio is or something like that. He's a (laughs) three-point shooter. Simone Fontecchio. Okay, so Kessler was on the USA team this summer. Yeah. He's getting about twelve minutes a game after coming back from a from a good injury. And then they they benched uh Horton Tucker, and the rookie George hardly plays anymore. And Clarkson's coming off the bench. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm saying, you know, Markinen's not playing as good as he did last year. And I'm like, how's this all come together? And uh you know, I I just give all those guys a lot of credit, and their coach a heck of a lot of credit. I've told you before, the coach played at Williams, yep. and uh, in in Massachusetts, up in my neck of the woods, and he was heck of a player. And uh, they've done a fabulous job there. I, all credit to them. I I've been really, really impressed. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the box scores, and I'm saying, how are they getting this done? But just a terrific job, and they're going to be hard to beat. That You talk about Denver's altitude. Going in there is not easy either.
1: Yeah, I was actually just in Salt Lake City last weekend with Stanford Women's Basketball. They played at Utah, which is a top 20 team. Stanford won a close one. But you know, players were mentioning it to me, coaches who had played there before mentioning it to me that like the altitude is no joke at Utah. You think about it with Denver, but Utah is high up there as well. So that is something to consider. And another thing is they've always had really good fans, and they have fans that get after you oh <laughs> they're legendary i mean yes you know you
2: think of guys like maxwell in houston that got into it with the fans there and there's been a lot of guys that have a had a little conversation with the fans they're they're really close and you're the only thing in town so they they really back their team and you know they've they've had a tremendous teams there for 20 years during the malone and stockton and sloan era and uh they're impressive, what they're doing. I, I give them a lot of credit.
1: So so what do you think Golden State needs to do to to defeat Utah and this road trip, right? Because this is going, they're going to be climbing uphill on Wednesday, that's for sure, with the way Utah's playing. This is not going to be an easy game.
2: Well, you do know that there's a lot of pride, and you know that the Warrior guys will come out and play hard. Now it's about playing smart, taking care of the ball, and You know, this is repetitive, but not putting these guys on the free throw line and guard the three-point line. And enjoy defensive stops and get in the open floor and uh, capitalize there. Uh, There's a team there. You know, I I always talk about being a coach as a teacher, and the players are students. And I would have gave the team an A and probably a B-plus for the Chicago and Milwaukee game. And then I'd have to fail them on this uh, Memphis game. Give them, I'm going to be nice and give them a D minus. But don't show me that you can play like you did against Chicago and Milwaukee and then come out and play like that. There, there's, yeah. there's just no excuse for it. You, you can't make the, enough excuses for it. So there's pride. There's championship guys. And I think they're going to come out and play a game. And frankly, if they play well, they can win.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, they can win for sure. It's just it's going to be a tough one. I remember last year when they went to Utah, that was one of the most heartbreaking losses of the season last year. Oh, I remember that. Up four late, and you mentioned Simone Fontecchio. He had the game winner in that one after just a really bad turnover. I believe it was Jordan Poole, if I remember correctly, just leading to a a layup to to lose that game at the end. By the way, I do want to mention, uh, Jokic Embiid, Going at it tonight, this has been just an incredible battle. Uh, Embiid, 41 points and 10 assists. It looks like uh, the Sixers are going to win that game. They're up nine in the final 40 seconds. Uh, we, uh, We got time. For for one more thing uh, to to cover, Gary got a couple minutes left in the show. This is the halfway point. The Utah game is game forty-one of the eighty-two game regular season. If they want to have an improved record over last year, they're going to have to go twenty-seven and fifteen in their final forty-two Ooh. games. So, like that, that that's doing a lot of work. But, but what are your second half resolutions for Golden State? Well.
2: I I guess it's the vets carrying them and and setting the tone and and talking to the young guys about, you know, making good decisions with the ball and playing good defense. You're you're blending in, you know, two rookies and, you know, some guys that don't have a lot of experience. Uh, I feel bad for Mobley, and, and, uh, you know, I I see an uptick, and I've been critical of both Wiggins and Kaminga, and I I see some positives there. and, And they've got to keep playing with that, intensity their defensive presence and uh you know it's not insurmountable to get this done i I, the west is boy is going to be really really tough and uh there's going to be two or three teams that are not going to make it that probably are going to win close to 40 games and that just goes to show you how good the west is
1: Yeah, no, it really is a tough, tough conference. Well, hopefully the Warriors can end the road trip on a positive note and then start the homestand out nicely with their game against Dallas on Friday. That'll do it for us, folks. For Gary St. Jean, I'm Kevin Dana. Big thank you to Mark Grandy behind the glass. Working the show for us behind the scenes. Big thank you to R.C. Davis and Marika Kleto on the Golden State Warriors side of thing. And for... Brandon Schneider joining Tim Roy. That'll do it for us tonight, folks. We'll talk to you next week, right here on ninety-five-seven. The game.
0: You've been listening to the Warriors Roundtable. Curry brings it through one hand, three up and go. The exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. Playful and nailed it. Ninety-five-seven. The game. For tickets, call eight 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 GSW hoop.